This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 835. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick the Week, episode 835. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. That is correct, according to my script here. And we are hosting this show. What is this show? It's the Pick of the Week show. Every week we read a bunch of books. One of us picks a favorite book called The Pick of the Week. We talk about that book. We talk about other books from the week. The patron pick. We try to do listener mail. We usually run long. We usually complain about it. But really not complaining, because what else do we have to do but look forward to the hellscape that is the world outside of the show? Stick if to the, the fun be, part, buddy. If the show could be four hours, we could do we would do a four hour show. It can't be four hours though. I'm do sorry. you think that we have used collectively the phrase pick of the week more than any other humans in history? I would hope so. Like I would like, Between this show like, and we we wrote the pick of the week review for thirteen years every week. I mean, it's not, uh-huh. it's not, it's not, it wouldn't be just us. Obviously, we've used the word I fanboy more than anybody else, right. and we sure. regret it more than anybody else. Yeah, sure. But, yeah. but the phrase pick of the week, where else would that be used so much? Perhaps, you know, like a grocery store? Certainly used quite a bit, but not on, on such a regular basis and yes. such a, you know, however many times we use it mm-hmm. is, uh, it's got to be, we've got to be in the Guinness Book of World Records for having used the phrase pick of the week the most. I would think someday there will be, you know, like there will be a way to research. There will be an AI that can determine that, that it wasn't us. It was some guy named Yevgeny, you know. We'll be the human power batteries that will power that AI. Whatever. Oh, human power battery 874 used pick of the week the most. Right. That's fine. Anyway, where are we in the script? All right. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Josh, you had the pick and you... Son of a bitch, you had a great week of comics. You know, I did enjoy my comics, but when it came down to picking something, I, I had a hard time with it. I, w- I could imagine. I would have had a very hard time this week. Uh, you know, it, like I enjoyed reading my comics. It was really good. But like, what was the thing that stood out? That And I try not to make this part of it, but that we haven't said everything there is to say about so that's mm-hmm. often a problem. Like, well, this could, is this the pick of the week? 
And, and and it's true. Like if I have nothing new to say about it, then it's does it is it really a pick of the week? You know what I mean? Like these this is the thoughts that go through my head. But if it's the best, it's the best, and it's whatever. Um, I decided to make a Maestro World War M number four my pick of the week. Um, yeah. it, it is it is the most Marvel gosh, <laughs> good old superheroes that we have going on right now. Uh, it has been a joy and a delight from the very first issue, two or three or four miniseries this back. Thir- this is the third miniseries. Right. Yeah. Um, so the last issue saw us, um, the Hulk Maestro was was being attacked by a bereft and, and, and angry Namor who had a big uh, two-legged whale beast big sperm whale thing say this is it i'm using the big guns he comes out and what i thought was he beats monsters all the time this is no big deal but much of this issue was was uh was the big whale destroying the city uh given given hulk quite a time and hulk maestro has sort of entered this uh, hellboy arena <laughs> of this now where i mean and it was it was almost like the same as a hellboy story where he he in this issue for whatever he wasn't really evil. I mean he is because we know we've seen him do awful stuff or whatever. But in this one he's like, yep, gotta fight the monster. You know, it's not yep. you know, and he, he goes after it. And and um there's a bit in here, and I I had forgotten that what Namor is doing is he avenging he's avenging the death of his wife and son, but he's also hallucinating that they're up on top of the thing talking to them. And they're basically an angel and a devil on his shoulders. And there's a bit where uh numa the wife and he's like are you not pleased and she's like why would i like watching you destroy all these people in this city and then uh they 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 kick her off the top of the whale ah get away from here we don't want to hear your your stuff and i was like what the and then later i realized they weren't there and i was like oh i see but so it was even funnier because it was like in the cartoon where they would like flick the angel uh on the shoulder and, and and go away you know we get back and we spend a little time in latveria with old doom any variation on Doom is okay, as long mm. as it's entertaining. You can you can do it until the cows come home, as long as it's entertaining and not boring. And right. elderly Doom in a wheelchair after the world has been destroyed is great. I can watch this. You know, he's hanging out with uh, the Human Torch. Uh, uh, Abomination was there, but he transported himself back. And now Abomination and the Hulk are like like gonna team up, but they also just sat each, next to each other, tired on the on the shore, being like, "All right, let's go get him." You know, it, it just it's everything with good old superheroes. A little bit of a workaday thing, like this fantastic, amazing, dangerous world is just they're just over it, but they can't yeah. stop. Um, Herman Peralta, you know, doing the thing that he's been doing so well. Name I did not know. And and I have no qualms with the art in this at all. Like I've I just like I just read it and I go, this is perfect for what the thing is. It is doing a hundred percent of what the art needs to do in a book like this. Um, yes. And you know the coloring is is spot on. You know when when Jesus Zabertov when your when your main character is Hulk, you know that Hulk color is important. And then the way that everything else around it interacts with it. So you've got the Hulk color is a certain color in. Uh, whatever the city is, I don't know what the city is. Um, and then is it New York? Probably. 
I think it was in the beginning because Hercules was in Times Square, I think, when Maestro first showed up. Probably He was the Maestro. And then as you, you go back to Latveria and everything is that sort of darker green. You know, of of dooms. Uh, you know, everything is sort of that color. So this all sort of there, there's this green theme that goes on throughout the book. And if you flip through, you can see it. Yeah, uh, it's the, the color of the sky in the city. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's just those little things that, like that, lets you know where you are. A lot of times, we'll talk about books that switch, you know, time frames or switch places, and you're not sure what's going on. That colorist is just nailing it. You don't even have to think about it because it's just sending it right in your subconscious. Um, you know, and a great big monster fight. So, end of the day, you know, this, this is the most of what I wanted out of a comic book this week. And this was the thing that delivered that. Yeah, you had a great big Kirby monster. Um, we had three books this week that were 90s throwbacks. And if and I was going to suggest we do a 90s throwback corner. But you made one to pick. The Patriots made another one. The Patriot pick. So, that corner went out the window. But um, It's a, it's I, a fence. <laughs> it's, it's, too, it's it's a whole house I, I love this issue I When I saw you made it to pick it I was like of course um, There were several things that I, I could have made You know, If I had had to pick this it could have been hard I, So I have, no, I have sympathy for your situation um, This continues to be If not my favorite Marvel book One of my favorite Marvel books being published This whole series of Maestro Comics Herman Peralta I think now is a Big name for me. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking for his name after after this book's over. We only have one issue left in this miniseries. Great little great little moments, with little touches. I love Rick Jones, you know, putting on the 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 Iron Man helmet, which was smart because right after that he puts it on the the Black Man helmet falls on his own head, so he knew that his memorabilia placement wasn't exactly earthquake proof. Um, and you're right. It's funny because like Hulk is the bad guy. Maestro is the bad guy. 100%. He's the villain of the story, but you know, Namor is indiscriminately murdering the city, and even Doom's like, "Dude, what are you doing?" <laughs> and so the bad guy has to be put in a position where he has he, he's trying to. St- this is dude. This is I mean, this is this is kingdom maestro is ruling this place, so he's trying to save his power base, but still he's trying to save the people of the city, even if he is a murderous dictator. And to do that, he's got to fight this giant sea creature whose skin is so tough from living at the bottom of the sea that Maestro can't penetrate it until he finds the weak spot. But um, Peter David is is a master at this, and it's just sort of unbelievable. He keeps finding ways to make this Maestro story so compelling, uh, even if we know the you know you don't know the ending. We've we've some of us know the ending, and uh, it's just a great comic. It's just a really great comic. I'm sad it's going to be over, but. Yeah. I know it has to. I wonder if uh, Herman Peralta, like, this would be just the thing that he fits into. Like, this is be his his moment. I mean, it can go either way. Like, maybe he'll be awesome on something else. But, like, sometimes, you know, like, sure. somebody's in a show and they're just perfect for that show. And then you never see them again. Guy who played Gaius Baltar in Battlestar Galactica. Disappeared off the face of the earth. What was he just in? Oh, he was just on Picard. That's what it was. Oh. Um yeah, I mean, this was this this was excellent. This has been excellent. This continues to be excellent. I loved the. There's a really great bit of um, body language acting at the end here, page twenty two. That actually this is the last page where um, uh, Maestro has grabbed Abomination's arm. They're, they're sitting on the beach, or they're sitting on what was the beach, uh, you know, exhausted. And there's a there's a silent panel where they're looking at each other while Maestro's holding his wrist. And then he just 
he flicks the wrist away, and you you don't see the movement, but you see the aftermath. You know, Hulk's fingers pointing forward. Yeah, and you so you, you know it's that whole understanding comics. The story happens in the in between panels. Like you can see the movement, but you don't see the movement. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we know what happened because of the way the body language has been has been drawn. It's really it was a really great sequence of uh, uh, comic book storytelling there. Ron Paul is very good. If if I if we want to get into that kind of thing down here. That fourth panel where he's holding whatever that little device is. Mm-hmm. He's got a thing. And the size of that compared to his hand, you don't know what that is exactly. Let's say it's a car stereo or whatever. And it totally sets what his scale is. You know what I mean? Right. Like like you can see how big he is because of the how big that thing is, which just, just makes the world a little more realistic, a little more tactile, yeah. I think. It's a, uh, a calm device he created. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the end here. And I'm looking forward, if people don't know, what we're going to do is uh, next month will be the issue five, the final issue, and then the next book's blowed, which will be in um, August. I don't know. Whatever the month is, we're going to do the uh, Hulk feature perfect story that wraps up this whole Maestro saga. So we're going to have a little bit more, a little bit more Maestro talk before the day is done. A little more. I was slightly surprised, Josh, to find Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White, number one, on the script. Why is that? Because it was only eight pages of original content. I didn't know that, though, when I started reading it. Mm-hmm. And eight pages of original content. I thought the eight content, pages weren't that great, to be honest with you. They weren't great. They weren't, they weren't Jimmy Olsen, and if that's sort of what you're expecting. But I think that if you look at them in terms of a framing device, that the rest of it goes around... I enjoyed the other stories. Way, I, like, yeah, I really well, enjoyed the Silver Age stories quite a bit. Yeah, me too. To- totally. And I, I enjoyed... That That really was the thing. Like it was, It's always nice to see Steve Lieber, uh, you know, colored by Nathan Fairbairn, and I'm mm-hmm. fine with that forever. Um, and, the, you know, everything else was basically a reprint in this. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six stories, really five and a half, five and a couple of pages. Um, but there's two stories in the middle... Um, by Elliot S. Magan, drawn by mm-hmm. Kurt Swan, and I am enough of a, uh, <laughs> a nerd now to be like, oh, I literally, yeah. I saw Kurt Swan, I was like, ooh, you know, and the first one is, you know, Perry White surrounded by his grandparents, or grandkids, he's telling them a story about uh, when he was a kid and uh, he was just a, a lowly newspaper, you know, one of those kids, newsboys news from boys. the street. Newsies, he was a newsie. And he, he cracked a, a crime, you know, saw somebody and, and solved the crime and put himself a great peril. And it was this, like, little, it's from 1976, but, you know, clearly it was written by somebody who grew up in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it it was just this sort of, like, time capsule moment of a tale, um, you know, uh, about what makes a man a man and, and you know, toughness and blah, blah, all that stuff that, that Perry White um, exemplifies. And then the second one, that was even better. Uh, the Super Cigars of Perry White from 1974 because it had a little, had a little everything, yeah. a little silver, silver age, a little bit of it, a little, just a tiny Susan of like the 70s encroaching on these people who clearly grew up in the 50s. Um, you know, so so some alien uh, Perry White does something. He writes a story about these quote unquote mutants, other kind of mm-hmm. mutants, I guess, uh, and they decide to reward him by surreptitiously replacing his cigars. With cigars that have been imbued to give him Superman-like powers when he smokes them. Yeah. And, you know, there's some sort of classic uh, 
Clark Kent bumbling around, which is interesting yeah. because they had they really felt like they had to sell the fact that Clark Kent was useless back yeah. in back in the day, and so everybody's like, "Oh, I went to school with this guy. Watch what a dork he is. Follow my lead." And he goes, "Hey, Kent." And then he has his friend trip him. People and were mean back then. Constantly I know. Just mean. There's a great bit. I want to say it was on the Conan podcast where Bill Burr and him were talking about growing up in Massachusetts in the 70s and just how mean everybody was all the time. Oh, you're going to drink from a fountain? Are you thirsty, little girl? I'm drinking a a glass of water. (laughs) What am I going to (laughs) do? Like, and I was like, and it all flooded back to me. I was like, oh my God, you're right. Because in the eighties it was pretty fucking bad too. Yeah. But either way, like people were just mean, and it's funny because we talk about you know now like the world's scary or whatever. It's like people were just mean then, and now they're probably still mean, but they act nice. I don't know. Uh, either way, that story was super fun, and and this sort of the, the take that Perry White had on having superpowers compared to Superman. You have them. I don't want them, but I'm gonna keep one of these cigars. I just, I had a lot of joy reading those. I really kind of like the story uh, by Neil Clyde and Dean Haspel, Old Men Talking in Bars, um, mm-hmm. which I, it's 2011. Just a, a short, and it, remember, it reminded me of the brief time, and maybe he still does, where Wildcat had a son who was an actual cat, and I was like, oh, that's dumb. <laughs> but, uh, you know, besides that, you know, they just told stories, and, and it, it had Grant stories, good time, and it was yeah. well done. You know, it, it wasn't new. It was a bunch of reprints, but uh, it was really fun to read. You know, when it, when I got a fifty page book of a of a thing that I you know it's that is a, a bunch of stories and I don't expect to like all of them, but I did. Um, yeah, that's why one that's of the, there. one of the stories. I think it was. I'm trying to find one one of them, but he's talking about how long he's been at the at the Daily Planet out here. It's page one of the first story. He says, uh, "Oh yeah, yeah." He says, I've been uh, running the Daily Planet for 26 years, working here for working for her for 35 more. Does that mean he's in his, supposed to be in his 80s? It, I did notice that, and yes, that math, that's how that math... Although, that doesn't work. No, because, but he he started working. I mean, he could say he started working for him when he started selling newspapers when he was like eight. I guess so. Because that's... I mean, that was established in this one, too. Um Yeah. I but then that could be also it. there was a there was a time frame in here. Uh, which one was it? It was basically one of the stories he told was pre-war. It was like end of the thirties, right? Because the story was about like the you know Hitler taking power. So I mean that's nineteen thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doesn't make sense before the war. Yeah, comic book timeline thirty-three. Yeah, but and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm 100% just, fine They don't usually that. call out the numbers like that because they made me go, wait a minute, so how old is, it? is Perry White? Right. But um, I was actually surprised. I mean, I, you, like you said, the two Elliot S. Magan stories were the best ones, but I was surprised considering how much we loved Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen that the original pages here were, I thought were really sort of average. Um, I mean, Not great at I, all, I, think really. it's, I think it's tough. Jimmy Jimmy Olsen lends himself to a whole different kind of wacky madcap story. You know, it's harder. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of comics, a lot of comics. This week. I think I had, I had like 23, 24 comics. Yeah, I and, had a lot uh, more at the end than I thought I did at the beginning. And there was a lot of books we're not going to talk about just from time constraints. But there's a lot of books we could be talking about that we aren't. Um, I just wanted to let people know that because they're going to wonder why a certain book didn't, talk, didn't get talked about. It doesn't mean we didn't enjoy them. It's just... 
there's an, there's an only number of books we can talk about. So let's move on to Black Adam, number one, a 12-issue miniseries from Christopher Priest and Rafa Sandoval, which I thought was a black label book. There was a Flash Aquaman black label book that I thought shouldn't have been a black label book. I thought this one should have been. Um, but it ain't. But black Adam is so weird. True. The way he currently... Like, this book doesn't feel like it fits in continuity. Right, that's why no, I thought it but, should, was black but label it because it feels doesn't like fit. they are. Sh- they're trying to shift continuity, you know, the same way that anybody does with the movie stuff. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense in the context of the Justice League, where at least here he's got a widow's peak. You know, for us as comic readers, the high the high point for Black Adam was the two thousands when he was in the Justice Society book. He was mm-hmm. a, sort of the main you know, antagonist, and he had the pointy ears like Spock and the Widow's Peak, and he was DC's Doctor Doom. He was awesome. Yeah. And now... So he was Doctor be- Doom on the Avengers for a little while. And But now he's on the Justice League because of the Rock movie, and they mandated he put, up, he put on the team. And he's... If you just look at his face in the Justice League, you wouldn't know any difference between him and Superman. Like, he has the nice Superman hair, he's got regular ears, like he... Yeah. They this, completely this- changed him. There's a couple of panels in here where his hair gets tussled, and he, he looks like Superman. And then the yeah, other thing that, that changed is that when he is you know, out of Shazam mode, he's not a thousand-year-old Egyptian monarch. He's Doom. He's young Doom. Yeah, see, I didn't—I was very confused because, again, I read a lot of those comics, and maybe when he was—maybe it happened where he turned into like a young, hip Dr. Doom uh, named Theo, but I don't remember, I don't remember that. Happening, so I was very confused. Me neither. I, I, I put like, it together because it was like Theo Teth Adam, and I was like, okay, this must be him. And he has just, the bandage never, on his he, hand. As far as I remember, he never changed his right appearance. He was always just Black Adam, even when he, he like to me, he would have gone to this meeting at the government as Black Adam, not as this Agreed. kid. But um, so, putting all that aside, yes, as a, as a comic, I liked it. I did too. I, I think it was much better than I expected. Christopher Priest is a really good writer, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always come together. And I think that this one did. As a comic, I think it was pretty successful. And I was into it. Once I sort of understood and accepted the realities of you know who who's who now and why, and okay, this is what Black Adam is, I got into it. And then at the very end... The story is that this this young uh, this young black doctor, or maybe he's, he's not a Egyptian. doctor though. He's is he not? Is he? A that med was the whole student? thing. He was he was a med student. He was. Uh, oh, they were like it was, it was it was almost confused. That was a bit confusing. Where he was like right. is this kid like a mental patient? But no, he's he wasn't a full doctor yet. Okay, well either way, he's kid working in the hospital, yeah. and and you know we it, some stuff's going on around him. He's not sure what, but he's been. Maybe a little too uh, flippant through the whole thing, and I was like, "All right, enough, Poochie." Um, yeah. and, and then you find out, like, "Oh, the, Black Adam is dying, and he's gonna give the powers to this kid because that's his descendant." And that's when I was like, "Oh, why? Are, why are you doing this?" Yeah, we're doing this again. The movie's out. There's a guy. So at the end of the movie, does some other guy get the powers? Does I don't know. Here's what I do know: Christopher Priest is a big ER fan. That is what I learned in this. 
this kid Malik orders a series of tests that are straight out of any given CBC episode of ER. Uh, yeah, uh, Grandma Van Seff, mm-hmm. uh, on and on. Um, he's basically Doctor Doctor um, Pratt. He's Greg Pratt here. That's that's who he is. Um, yeah, I, it, it's. I like the issue, but I had the same reaction to the ending. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Now we're going to do this with Black Adam? We're going to get rid of Black Adam? Twelve issues. Twelve issues of this. There's got to be something else going on here. I I hope so. I mean, I'm going to read it. It's fine, but like maybe he's like going to be a Black Adam Jr. Like Captain Marvel Jr., maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, but either way, like, dude, how many stories like this are there? Right the now, older hero so many. gifts his powers to the younger hero who is impetuous and has to learn. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I was wrong. That, that, that Flash Aquaman book isn't Black Label, even though they call it book one, which is the nomenclature they use for the Black, the, the, um, the black, the black Label books. So I don't know what's going on in DC. They, don't even, they can't even keep their... Their uh, stuff straight. How can Take we it a book be, at a time. How can we be expected to? Um, I loved Batman Superman World's Finest number four. What's so great about this book, this, this tells you how much I love it. If, if, I, if someone asked me, what are you enjoying right now? I, I would say Batman Superman World's Finest is probably my favorite series going right now. And they say, great, what's it about? And I go, I don't know. That's how, that's how much I'm enjoying the book. I... I, I don't like know that it, about yeah. this this demon or Nezra guy, and I don't really care. It's just the the art is terrific, um, the characterizations are terrific. Uh, this world, this DC world that, that is in this Mark Wade bubble outside of the regular DCU, taking place in the past, is terrific. And who they're facing some sort of ancient demon. I don't really care about the details. I just care that. They've brought. They're bring. They constantly bringing more characters in. So it started off with just Bat- Superman, Batman, and Robin, and now it's Supergirl, and now it's Green Lantern, and now it's Doom Patrol, and now it's it's uh, John Jones and Donna Troy and Firestorm and Red Tornado, Black Canary, and Kid Flash, and like just just keep doing it. I don't really care about Nezra. Is that even the name of the character? But I love everything else going on around it. Now, were we? This wasn't like a continuation from the last issue, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. I didn't remember. But again, I don't think that I, that's part of what you're talking about. I was like, it doesn't really matter. I was like, wait, when did this? Uh, who cares? I, I don't have to worry about it. Green Lantern like, showed I, up I, at the I, end I, of the last issue to stop Superman and Batman and, and Robin and Supergirl were in the past trying to get information on this demon. Yeah, but and I put that all together yeah. eventually. Yep. You know, like I... Oh, I, yeah, no. It's written oh, such a way okay. you could pick this issue up and you would have gotten everything. Right, and that's how it used to be, and that's how Dad did it. And there's um, a line in here that made me laugh, where you know this demon has taken over Hal Jordan, so they're fighting uh, Hal Jordan, Superman, and Batman, and and uh, Batman's like, God, I really miss the days where you could just hit him with a brick, a, a yellow brick. <laughs> like that was very funny. And uh, again, the Dan Mora art. This is like perfect for Dan Mora. These big, colorful action-packed pages full of DC characters. He's he's really excels at this. And it, it's just a really good-looking book. Like, I think I read this book, very the very last book. That's how, that's where it is right now. It's number one in my slot. That's great. That's nice. 
So I, if you know, again, the mythology of it, I don't know, but Superman and Batman combined into one person with a weird costume. Sure, why not? Just go for broke, Mark Wade. This was a this is a week for old timers, Josh. We had Peter David, yeah. Mark Wade, Christopher Priest, Ron uh, Ron Mars. We could have talked about Kurt Busiek's last issue of the current arc of. Aerosmith. Uh, Aerosmith. So you had Busick, David, Mars, Wade, Priest. This is the, the All-Stars. This is the Dream Team. This is the 92 Dream Team. <laughs> this, is, exactly. this is a great, great show from 1997. I, I thought was, you know, all those books were great. These guys still got it. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, talk about how you can help support the show. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's the main way to help support the show. That's how shows are unlocked. Additional shows. That's why we do the media explode every month. That's why we have the talk explodes and book explodes. All of the great contents because of the patrons. And we have more stretch goals. People constantly ask us when we're going to do TV reviews. Someone asked us just this week if we're going to review Miss Marvel. Got to hit that next stretch goal if we want to start reviewing TV shows. It's, it's, it's more, any, any additional shows in our monthly schedule have to be unlocked just because of the time commitment that they require. So mm-hmm. uh, if you want to hear those TV reviews, you got to we got to hit that next, next stretch goal. And all that happens at patreon.com slash ifanboy. We are pretty pretty comfortably above the media explode stretch goal, so we're those probably out of danger for a little while. And uh, you know they have great they have great perks. They had a, we had a hangout a patron hangout with them last weekend. We have another one coming up soon. They have the Discord channel. They have the Facebook group. Um, they get to vote in the patron pick. It's a fun time. So patreon.com slash ifanboy considering support. You don't have to be anything more than a one dollar patron. I mean that's one dollar a month. That's you know for the entire year. It's like two or three comics. So, so we get like a quarter for that, so three bucks. <laughs> so just you know, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fanboy.threadless.com, 12 t-shirts, designs. You can get those designs and other things. The most recent design is the Gosh design that Josh referenced during the Hulk review. Uh, we were just talking this past week how we need to come up with another shirt design, so that'll be starting that process. And if you've been listening to the show, that process will probably take us three to five years. So um, it's it's begun. The wheels have slowly... It's like in the in the movie when the, the the old wheel has to be sort of greased to get going. It's like yeah. it just starts turning. The wheel has just begun to you turn. Get, you, you knock that rust off though. Yeah, and it'll go. It'll go. It's just we have we, we've started the process. Fanboy.com slash supports our digital digital tip jar via PayPal. If you just want to throw in a couple bucks, don't want to be a patron, that's fine too. Or if you're an uh, eccentric billionaire and you don't like the way the world's going, you want to just start throwing money around like a lunatic. That's where you can put it too. Fanboy.com slash Amazon. You can uh, shop there. You can buy our Booksplode books. And I found bookshop.org is our partner for local bookstore support. And you can find those links. Usually during the Booksplode post, they didn't have they didn't have Superman for all seasons in their system at all. So I couldn't put a link for books for a bookshop for that one, which is surprising. I think that book's out of print. Which is crazy. But uh, all those are the ways you can help support us. And thank you for those who do. We appreciate it. The show could not go on without you. Over at Dark Horse, there was mm. a new series that launched called The Lonesome Hunters. It was created, every single thing in the book was by Tyler Crook, mm. uh, an artist who I really like. Um, worked on BPRD for a while. Had worked on a book called uh, Petrograd that mm-hmm. we liked a lot. It was a book of the year one Those year. Those are book of the year, yeah. 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 Um, so basically, uh, there's these, uh, I guess they're Christian fundamentalists. And there's some demons, and the one guy's dad does all this stuff to be given a magic sword so he can strike the final blow at the demons. 
they go into this spot that everybody is killed except mm-hmm. for the kid with the sword who can't do it and he runs away. We cut. The man is an old man in the more or less present times and he keeps to himself and doesn't talk to anybody and he's he's thinks himself as a coward and you know he's uh he's the old man from up. You know, he's <laughs> <laughs> just he's that and uh some magic shit goes down in his building where there's a there's a watch that is also magic and a little girl comes to get his help. And he's like, ah, I got to get the sword. And that's where we are, basically. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, it wasn't amazing, mm-hmm. but it's really good looking. It was original enough that I am curious what comes next. Mm-hmm. Um, it was imaginative, I think. You know, it doesn't look like anything else. It doesn't feel like anything. It's not necessarily a horror book. Um, it grabbed my attention. And, I, and I'm, I'm looking for the next one. And it was, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't like supernatural mixed with something, so it wasn't like oh, you could do this without the supernatural. That was part of it, so I'm not complaining about that part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if any of that sounds good, check it out from Dark Horse this week. I'm reading two X Men books. They both came out this week, and Immortal X Men is the Kieran Gillen Lucas Warnock series that focuses on the Council on Krakoa that runs everything. And I'm actually very interested in that part of the story. That was one of the things I liked about the whole setup of the of the Krakoa story, and so. I was reading this issue, and I was about halfway through, and I was like, do I hate this? I think I hate this. Like, It was all about destiny, and I don't think I really like destiny, and the entire thing was very sort of pretentious caption box thoughts from her about the different timelines, and Mystique's dead and all of them, and is she really ruining everything, And or is it really Moira, and let's go back and fix things, and other X-Men are ruining, and I was just like, someone for the love of God punched Juggernaut. Just... Punch Juggernaut, someone. And that's the kind of action I'm getting in X-Men 12, which is the Jerry Duggan, Pepe Larraz book, which I don't know wouldn't have been my pick of the week this week. Mm-hmm. Um, really? I didn't have to decide, but after I read it, I was like, God damn, that was awesome. And this is the X-Men as, hey, look, we forget the X-Men are superheroes book. And uh, <laughs> it's just all action and great characterization. Jerry Duggan is kind of made to write the X-Men. Everything I've read from him from this reboot has been terrific. He was doing the uh, the Marauders series, which was excellent, and now his run on X Men so far has been excellent. And this in this issue, uh, there's been some Mister Sinister shenanigans, but also uh, the X Men go to um, uh, uh, why am I dumb? The reporter mm-hmm. Ben Urich, and they say, "Hey, sorry, we stole that story from your head. Here, have it back." And uh, he, so he wrote the expose that the X-Men are basically immortal now and have solved death. And it's just it was just big action, great character work, terrific Pepe Larraz art. And the irony is when I got to the end of Immortal X-Men 3, I was like, well, that was pretty good. Because the second half of the issue got back into the, uh, the <laughs> shenanigans of the, uh, the ruling council. And so as much as I hated like the first half of the issue, which I really did, I thought I was going to drop the book uh, by the end of the second. By the end of the book, I was like, oh, maybe I'll keep reading. So... That's that's my particular mental illness. Uh I see. I can see why that would be. That's a, a that's a challenge. Hate but reading together it? was actually good because it was like, okay, here's what I love about the X Men, plus what I hate. But well, you you started to talk about it was like all this pretentious and this, yeah. and I looked up and I was like, Kieran Gillen. Okay, got it. And then which which he does lots of good things, but he also can tend to do that thing. It was um, just very plotting and very like portentous and and you know like 
I don't care. Stop. Pretentious. I hate this. Portentious is a different. Well, I guess you also would have meant that too. Yeah, portentous. Like uh, okay. pretentious That's and portentous. Because she's a she's destiny. She 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 knows everything about the future. Fair enough. Where are we at here? Silver coin number eleven. Uh, I want to bring this up because yep. uh, I, uh, I I wouldn't say I've been a big fan. Of James like Tynion's The Fourth work. Oh I'm, no, 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 no! Specifically, this, this yeah. every every issue has been uh, written by a different person, and so I, you know, I was like, eh, I don't know so much if I want to because I don't love Tynion's work all that much. I thought it was a very good story. Yes, um, James Tynion The Fourth, uh, drawn by Michael Walsh, draws all the issues. Who's the charge book? I, I was impressed in the beginning. I was like, wow, this is very restrained for Tynion. Like it was, yeah, it was sort of very sparse in the beginning, which is sort of the anti-Tynion. And uh, you know all these all these stories are short horror stories. The only thing that I thought made me think twice was it did. I was trying to decide if they were setting up sort of a recurring story here. I mean, the recurring story is the coin throughout this evil coin that was forged in in the fires of the uh, witch trials, and it you know bounces around the world and through history destroying lives and and here i couldn't tell if they were setting up this guy to be sort of now a recurring character which i'm not super into but um yeah, this particular like issue itself was good disconnected so it's just this thin link between anthology horror stories yeah and I, to be I, honest coin, like the coins enough i don't need people not to right, be recurring right so oh they came upon the coin that ain't good um yeah so this one I the, feel like it changes the person who's in contact with it, which actually wasn't what happened on this one. It was like, it, it, there was a wish. It was like an evil genie situation where this woman who owns a diner yeah. that's failing because a chain, a chain restaurant's opened up next to them. And by the way, if your choice is like a chain burger place or a diner burger, you're going to go for the diner burger. Nah, Anyone with any sense is going to do that. If you have time. It doesn't matter. If you need, I mean, look, there's, there's a, there, life is short. You go for the diner burger. So... She wishes to, for more customers to come in and be and uh, be hungry or something, and so then and, and yeah, I wish this place would be filled with customers and that they're hungry. She added the second sentence, which is what her her undoing clause. And so they, there's a stream of people come in and they are insatiable. They they eat all of her food. They eat. They keep ordering more. They keep. They clear out the pantry. They start dying from rupturing stomachs. They start eating the silverware. They start eating each other. And it just, it just, it, it was horrible. But it was, I thought, really well, really well done. It was, a, it was a great Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And there's nothing more to it. And 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 you know, Michael Walsh is a great artist, and he's gotten so loose over this. Mm-hmm. Like there was a time where you'd see his work, and and you'd be like, oh, he's very Chris Somney like, and it still is to a certain extent. But really, if you look at what this looks like compared to what I I sort of thought of his art as looking like, it is just. Loose. I mean, loose is the word. Like, it's just very relaxed and, and expressive, you know, mm-hmm. while still doing this. He's a great comic book artist. Yeah. You know, he should be a much bigger name than he is. But the fact that he gets to do this kind of series and it's gone on for this long, you know, that tells you a lot about how talented and respected he is, I think. And I li- hopefully this is what he wants to be doing. I like that he's doing what he wants to be doing. I think he's, I, he's got to be. And it, it's Which very unique in the, in the industry. Yeah, you know, totally. How often does an artist get to run an anthology series of horror stories? You know, and 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 you and also you and I don't like horror stories. No, and and I get excited about this every time an issue comes out. 
Yeah. And he's got he gets prose to write them, so it's not even if they're not your favorite prose or whatever, they know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, they're so, big names. Yeah. And they and they and they do a good job. He's gonna run out of them eventually. Yep. I'm writing for issue forty five, by the way, I didn't tell you. He's saying it's this is like this, this is like his talk explode. He's like, I think I got everyone. <laughs> it's going great at first. Yeah. Silver now we're gonna sort of enter the nineties or back corner. Silver Surfer Rebirth number five, Ron Mars, Ron Lim, Don Ho, Israel Silva, Josephino. This is the final issue of this Silver Surfer story that takes place back in the 90s. And I fucking loved it. And the thing is, for much like you with World's Finest, it, I opened it up and I was like, wait, who is this dude that they're fighting? But it didn't matter. <laughs> and why are they fighting him? It didn't matter. I thought it was full of terrific character moments. I love this version of Silver Surfer, you know. Uh, if, uh, so, so, there is no reality in which you triumph so swears the Silver Surfer I miss dialogue like that like this mm-hmm. is the good stuff from that era I loved Silver Surfer back then uh, I love Ron Lim he, he's you know one of those guys in the 90s who was one of my favorite artists he was a big 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 name in, at Marvel so big that he took over for George Perez on Infinity Gauntlet when George couldn't finish it which is unfortunate um, and uh, you know again like I don't the, the, the details I forgot but you know, the little stuff like Norrin getting zapped back to his old reality with the reality gem and and uh, seeing his, his wife and possible kids and that was all good and using the board accidentally killing the dude. Like, all of this was good. All of this was good. I agree with you. Were they calling it the gems or stones? Infinity's gem. I don't remember now. I don't either, but hopefully it was gems. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Those are the books we could talk about. I could have, I could have added four or five more books from the list, but we have to do what we have to do. Let's move on to the Patreon pick, patreon.com slash ifanboy. Every patron gets a vote, add a book to the rundown. And this week, the winner by one vote, it ended up being very, very close, was New Fantastic Four number one from Peter David, Alan Robinson, Mike Spicer, and Joe Caramagna. We're still in 90s corner because this is a continuation. And you got to believe, Josh, this is because the, the Maestro series has been super popular of... A story from the early, early 90s, I think it was even 1990 or 91, it was very early in the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, that Walter Simonson wrote and that Arthur Adams drew. It was a three-issue arc of Fantastic Four. In fact, Marvel reprinted them in one handy-dandy collection last week, and I read, I reread that in anticipation of this Oh, that must have helped. One. Yes. Although not really. It, didn't, it doesn't really connect other than they're hanging out together. But here we have... The quote-unquote New Fantastic Four, which was the Grey Hulk, Mr. Fix-It, Wolverine, Spider-Man, and Ghost Rider, all four characters, were extremely popular in the early 90s at Marvel's. Four of their most popular <laughs> characters. And so they just stuff them. <laughs> and even back then, they knew what they were doing. Like the, you know, the tagline of Fantastic Four is World's Greatest Comics Magazine, right? It says it's across the top. At least it did back then. And... And one of the issues says the world's commercialist comics magazine. Like, cause they, they knew what they were doing. They took the yeah. their four top characters from the button. They put them in the Fantastic Four for three issues. Um, they even have a, a gratuitous Punisher cameo who was also super popular at the time. So it was just like they were, they, they were winking at the audience with that arc. But, um, yeah, this was a direct continuation of that. And a Nick Bradshaw cover looks very much like Arthur Adams for a second. Yes, I thought it, it might have been him. Um, well, it's funny because when you said Arthur Adams, I went, oh, I see that. I mean, I, I knew it wasn't him, but like I, I, I realized what they were, and actually, that actually was the first thing that brought it back to me about what it was. Yeah, 
Um, I like I had a the whole time I was like I have a vague, vague recollection of this. Yeah, and that story that uh, there was a, a rogue Cree agent who came to not Cree a rogue scroll who came to Earth and uh, she disabled all the Fantastic Four and tricked everyone into thinking they were dead. So uh, Wolverine, Spider Man, Hulk, Ghost Rider, who were all in the neighborhood at the time. Uh, she she gathers them together at pretending to be Sue Storm, and they go to avenge the deaths of the Fantastic Four, but they weren't actually dead. And then they're not. They're, they're never really the Fantastic Four, but that was sort of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this was good, but not nearly as good as Maestro. Yeah, it gave me it gave me very little like of the joy. I didn't I didn't really feel one way or the other about it, to be honest. Like I enjoyed it most, probably most because I just reread those other books. But like, Peter David is in prob- maybe the all the 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 all time Hulk writer. So he and he wrote that original Maestro story. So he lives in that world. He knows those characters and everything, and per- they're perfect. And Herman Peralta is amazing. This was like lesser than in all in all ways. The yes. art was lesser. It was fine. Alan Robinson's name I don't know. At first I thought it was um at first I was like, wait, Alex Robinson drew this? And then I was like, wait, no. It's the other guy, but it wasn't him either. Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Alan Davis? No, no. <laughs> Alan something. Who who that that Beatles book, terrific artist. Oh, 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 uh um Andrew Robinson. Andrew Robinson. I thought it was him. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I opened it. I was like, nope, not him either. Mm-hmm. Um it was fine. The art was fine. It didn't really do anything for me, but it didn't not do its job and the the problem there is that fine is one thing but when it's literally directly compared up against the book that i made pick of the week yes fine is worse yes because it makes no impact at all um for me like i I just like it was fine but it was like right now i could read it i did my job i was gonna read it anyway even, even without patron but i couldn't i couldn't tell you a thing about it like i like basically all of the people were in different places Mm -hmm. and they all found themselves together you know for apparently no reason and you know i just like it it was whatever that x factor is it wasn't there did they kill the vulture they had him get hit by a jet like i mean back then back then it could he hasn't had super strength he's an old man he yep. gets hit full on with a with an airliner. No, not even, a private jet in in the nose. Like like the nose of the jet hits him in the back. That's true. And he I mean, falls to earth, and all the money still flaps down behind him. But like, I was like, is he dead? But it's, said, I, you know, I'll tell you what 90s. else would have happened. Mm-hmm. That would have taken that plane down. <laughs> Everyone aboard that plane would be dead. That's that's how planes work. You can't hit a thing really hard. Well, the plane planes. Was, Planes are predicated. Plane. Planes are predicated on the idea that they don't hit anything. Right. Once you break that rule, everything changes. <laughs> uh, anyway, you had Michael B. Jordan, the priest, in this. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like it. There was some demon in Vegas possessing people, and so they all go to Vegas because that's where Mister Fixit lives. He was running a casino, and or something. I, I didn't read it i just remember that from osmosis and uh it was fun seeing you know like a ghost rider that's more recognizable to me than the current one and not even because the person behind it but just because the role that mm-hmm. ghost rider played in sort of the dialogue and um it's sort of inexplicable to me you know 
people who are younger mean it, it, that he was one of the most popular characters in Marvel during that time. Yep. Uh, and uh, a different kind of Wolverine. You know, he's not he's not Hugh Jackman. He is short and runty. The, ha- the hair is ridiculous. And uh, angry. And then, uh, you know, it's a fun group. They were, they were fun together, but I'm waiting for the story to be better than it is, which is unfortunate. So we just heaped a lot of praise on Peter David, but um, I don't know if the art's helping. Yeah, I mean, this is actually, you know, we we talk with reverence about a certain time period of comics, and this is probably more what most of those comics were like, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. You know, and they said it was a commercial cash grab. Fine, you know, all of it's fine, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it's not sticking with me. I mean, I get why they're having Peter David do this, however... Walter Simonson is alive <laughs> and well. Maybe, maybe he didn't want to do it. Maybe he didn't. But you know, if you're going to do these throwbacks, Ron Mars did write Silver Surfer. Peter mm. David did write the Hulk Maestro story. Um, maybe, maybe they offered it to Simonson and he said no. But and if they'd offered it to Arthur Adams, we would have gotten the book in 15 years. But. Um, <laughs> It was a little. It was a little less than a little disappointing. I was. I was excited to read it. But it was disappointing. Same. Same. Ratings. New Fantastic Four number one out of five. A generous three. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Yeah, that's a generous number. I'll say. I was thinking that while we were talking about it. Yeah. So I'm. I'm gonna read the next one. But I'm not <laughs> guaranteed to finish it. The I... miniseries. Yeah, my instinct is that. I'm not going to read it, but I could also see myself being like, all right, let's, let's give it a shot. Maybe it'll pull itself around. I wish Nick Bradshaw had drawn the issue because he does have that Arthur Adams thing that would have made a feel of a piece with the original miniseries. Yeah, but he read the script and he was like, this isn't that good. Give it to someone else. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go to add a book. Vote to add a book to the rundown, but if you give it the $5 or a higher level, we give you superpower live on the show like Charles Rose. Charles Rose is always in perfect balance. Even he could he could get up on his elbow and be in perfect balance. On one finger, on his head, on his shoulder. He's always perfectly balanced. He's like a fine German knife, you know, chef's he, knife. So, so he would make an excellent sword fighter. Yes. For example. Or he or, never trips or, or stumbles or um you know falls. Right. He's always in perfect balance somehow. Huh. Like it doesn't make sense physics wise. Like he could be all in one one way and you know, it shouldn't work, but he's always in, he's got perfect balance. Can I tell you something about me? Yeah. I frequently almost fall. Hmm. I usually don't fall, but I very frequently but almost almost fall. I'm pretty good at missing that last part of the fall. What happens That's when you thing. fall? I mean, it hurts. I'm 45 and I weigh a lot. <laughs> Broken bones. <laughs> uh, not since I was eight. Brittle bones. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't know. I may have broken a rib or I may have cracked a rib a couple of times, but I never got it checked out because you can't do anything for it anyway. Right. Well, can tape but I actually broke my arm when I was eight. So well, you, that little, was the last fall. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I hit a sand, I was I hit a sand I was on my bike mm. and I hit a sandy patch 
and I went down and I had a cast on my left arm all the way up to my uh, armpit uh, for the whole summer. I got the cast off. Wait, though. I got the cast off. Two weeks later, I slipped in a mud puddle and broke it again. (laughs) And so it's possible if we look backwards, like maybe that's where I learned to not fall all the way. So you have a really dangerous arm situation going there. Uh, It hurt. Actually, my wrist, it broke both bones all the way through. My wrist hurt off and on through my early 20s. Like every once in a while, I would do something and I would feel like a really sharp, awful pain. But it's gone away since then. I think it's good now. Do you you like know when it's going to rain? I used to. I'm telling you, I used to. Yeah, sort of things like that. Now, instead of that pain, I get phantom kidney stone pains (laughs) when I'm stressed out. Oh, boy. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this happening? I was like, no, it's just stress. Okay. All right. Uh, Ryan. I, so I need to, I, I believe I need to come up with a, t- a power yeah. now. Even yeah. if I had thought of one, it'd be gone. Mm-hmm. But um, Ryan A. Abseed. I'm going to mm-hmm. go Ab- Abside. Ab- Is that spelled correctly? Like, I can't even place A, B, C, E, D, E. That doesn't seem real. <laughs> <laughs> like if you were like oh that looks portuguese or perhaps yeah. you know i don't know so whatever a b c d e d i'm gonna say almost, it like it's that. almost there yeah yep anyway uh he always has time hey do you have time Ooh. to do this yeah and it's not that he's time traveling but there is a sort of temporal temporal distortion around him that he always has time for things because one of my weaknesses is that I never have time for the things that I think I have time for. Right. Which makes me a little bit late all the time. And it isn't that I'm lazy about things. It's that I think things will take less time than they do. And they always take more time. But he always has time. Time is flexible around those things that he wants to do. I mean, right. and it's not like, do you have time to go to Paris and back before lunch? It's not like that. But you can fit all the things in. Like, right. just, just stop at the store, but we don't have late. It's just, okay, we got time for that. Go in, do the thing, you know, make it to the airport on time. The traffic, it's there, but he makes it. There's time. It's always his time. That's a good one. That's actually very yeah. good. Yeah, I could use that. Patreon. I don't know anyone who couldn't. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. And like Ryan and Charles, get your own superpower live on the show. Hey, we've got time for one email, which is good because we've got one in the script. Jack from London, England, in the United Kingdom, says, I've just started reading Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing, and I've been really enjoying it. It got me thinking about that. Apart from this run, most of Moore's acclaimed work are mini maxi works like Watchmen being 12 issues, Killing Joke being a one-shot, etc. That led me thinking about the serious structures some writers use in their work. For example, while I love his run on Batman, I see Tom King as a 12-issue to tell a complex story kind of guy. And Dan Slott is a 50-issue with a bunch of stories that shows the love of the characters he has kind of guy. Can you think of any writers who do both in a good way? And would you like to see any writers change their structure? Yes. <laughs> I mean, most, um, most writers are Dan Slott. Because most, most comic stories are, they go as long as you tell them. There are very few writers who have the luxury of doing what Tom King does. 
Well, when you say most writers are Dan Slott, I think that that does Dan Slott a disservice. Most no, no, what I mean the is same, they, they tell ongoing comic stories. They have, they don't, to, they have that job. Right. But they, don't Dan, get, they don't get the, Dan, the luxury of, of having right. a 12-issue prestige miniseries. Like, that's all I mean. I don't, I don't, I'm not denigrating Dan Slott. I'm just saying most writers are writing ongoing comic book stories. Very yes, few of them are Tom King. And, and you know, people like Dan Slott, you know, I didn't love Spider-Man, but I think it's fairly clear that many people were hooked into that Spider-Man run the whole time. And it was a long run. And that's how you and I have felt about his Fantastic Four run. Mm-hmm. And that he's managing to do that thing where it keeps you interested and gives the perception of growth and change and plot movement when, in fact, there will be none at the end. Um, and I don't mean that bad way. It's just a, yep. just a feature of the thing. Tom King, you know, is for all intents and purposes a novelist. And the 12 issue maxi series is his version of a comic book novel. Um, lots of people for a long time would do the six issue or eight issue comic book novel. Uh, Tom works in the 12 issue milieu. That is tricky because uh, most people actually can't fill 12 issues worth of stuff if that's their beginning, middle, and end. Your issues six through nine are usually garbage. It's just that's how that works unless you're really good at it. And that's why he's really good at it. And even then, there's a little bit where, ooh, I think, I think, I suspect he knows well enough to know when and if he has enough material to fill 12 issues. Um, so it isn't always of, 12, even if they, like, Supergirl yeah. was eight. I know they wanted to do more. DC would only give him, was it eight or nine or seven? Something like that. But they, I know but they wanted to do more, but they didn't get it. But still, he managed to do it in that time. I don't think all of them are and, exactly 12. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. Right, I think that that miniseries was long enough, and I and I loved it. I'm not, but but more wouldn't have necessarily helped get to the conclusion. Um, I think I I think of uh, you know Alan Moore. Alan Moore could do anything. Alan yep. Moore could do a long run. He did you know like twenty something of some of the the top ten books or something like that. Um, Swamp Thing is another. He had a really long run on that, and it was great. Um, he could do a five pager and it would be amazing. He could do, you know, he did the preeminent 12 issue maxi series with Watchmen. All those things. Uh, Grant Morrison. Yes. He's not really good at the long run. Well, I don't say that's true. He, he, had, he had a clean run on Superman, I mean, Batman and on Justice League. I think Justice League was more successful than Batman. And I think that he gets you know like this last one the the green lantern i feel like he's so good at saying what he wants to say he does it pretty quickly Mm. and when he has more room then he explores other things and it tends to not hold together as much but i but i i I don't mean as a criticism at all i just think that i i i just i just think i just think i think i i think you wouldn't know what a problem was don't (laughs) swim up and bit you on the ass that most we just don't know because most comic writing is geared towards the ongoing. So we don't know. Maybe there's a writer out there who's doing ongoing books that'd be great at twelve issue runs, but that's the market really isn't for that. So we don't know what they're capable of. Most writers are put on to do an ongoing series. So I think we just don't know. I mean, like I'd say Bendis is another guy who does both. Like he obviously done incredible long runs, but can do, do great miniseries. All almost all of his. Recent Jinx World stuff is just short minis, and I think a lot of them have been really good. But you've got to be a Bendis or a Tom King or somebody like that or Morrison to even get 
that treatment. Otherwise, they like I do think though take over Green Lantern. I think you can say that his his minis, Bendis's minis, were were pretty good or whatever. But I think that he excels on the long. Oh sure, the long single character run. Well, Avengers, was. you know, uh, you know, and you'll notice these all get shorter over time. Like these guys, you know, like Preacher was sixty issues. You know, now Garth Ennis can do anything he needs to do in about three, five. Um, well, you know, which is the nature. Yeah, I know, I know, but you know, which is also sort of like what they'll give them or whatever. You know, there's a little period of time where like Mike Carey um has done a couple of longer um Vertigo series, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 issues. And those are much better than any of the ongoing stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. Where like he cuz he's again, he's a novelist. He wasn't a novelist before, but he became one and it all makes sense when you go back like, oh, he's got a story with a beginning, middle and end. You know that he's telling over a long period of time. Uh, I think Brubaker has figured out he's done some great long runs in comics, and don't get me wrong, but you know these you know bursts of interconnected miniseries are the thing that he seems to be great at. These seasons of television, these anthology kinds of things. Well, I mean, um, Criminal is pretty unconnected, but I, I I just think. I think a lot of writers, if they're any good, could do all couldn't do both formats. It's just that they don't get the chance in comics really to to test that theory out. You know, like I bet Jason Aaron would do really terrific prestige twelve issue miniseries, but he get you know he's a comic writer, so he he goes on the fifty issue Avengers run because that's what mm-hmm. his job is. Uh, most comic writers are not employed to write twelve issue prestige miniseries, at least right now. I think there's slightly more and more happening, but it's just not the case because that's not the business model. Um, unless you're like you know actually so, so so excelled at it that it became his business model. He's also he's really good at short stories. Yeah, like he's done a bunch of really quality sort of five eight pagers. Mark Wade can also do anything. Mark Wade can do all the formats. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I and and I mean to me, the the short story is, you know that's that's the test of metal. Like, can you get me in six eight ten pages? You know, can you do the whole thing, beginning, middle, and end, tell the thing? You, you know, you have room to make a lot of mistakes in a really long run. And you can take an issue off here and there. You can do whatever. You know, and I don't I don't think that there's that many people. I know that, like, that's the main job in comics. But I don't think there's that many people who are consistently able to sustain long runs on a comic book without that feel like they have some direction to them. That's why we still talk about things like Peter David's Hulk run. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, Bendis's ultimate Spider-Man run and, and, you know, Stan and Kirby's fantastic four, although, you know, that might be an outlier in this, in this context, but you know, that is the, is the real skill of the game. And, uh, I think a lot of the new guys, a lot of the current generation, I don't think they're as good at it. I think they're good at coming up with concepts. They're good at pitching an image series that starts at number one. But, and you've seen this in image a lot where somebody will do their image series. And because of the economics of everything, no one will ever say how long it's going to be. No, we don't get to know when or if it's going to end, you know, but they can't like it always fades like something cool by the eighth, ninth issue. You're like, all right, get on with it. Robert Kirkman, on the other hand, that's a guy who excels at the long form ongoing soap yeah. opera format. I mean, that is, he's made for that. And that's the thing he's good at. Um, yeah. Interesting. It's a good question. 
I don't know that I have an answer. I don't want to see writers change their structure. I just well, want to see writers play Because there's, only, there's only so many doing it. There's only so many doing what Tom King's doing. There's only a handful. So it's not like it's not like there's a bunch to change. He might be the only one really doing it in a big way. Everyone else is doing the comic work, which is to write ongoing comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah, I but know. if you even think about like over at like Black Label, there's all these sort of miniseries that come in, and and you know how many are right, really. But worth what I'm the saying band? is like Tom King's only doing those. He's not doing ongoing books. Yeah, but when he did, like Batman was all over the place. Like there was really good things about it, but there yep. also wasn't. Right, and it was quickly apparent that his strength was really in these short stories, and so he's basically only doing those now. And so there's hardly anyone else like that in mainstream comics. Everyone else is doing long mainstream. You know, mm-hmm. it's just that's the that's the business model of comics. So it's it's hard to say he's basically the only one. Yeah, but we can look in history though, and we can say, okay, well, but when there was Vertigo, there were and and there's definitely been situations at Image where you can see like there was stories of all different lengths. Like you could, you know, a Vertigo series would come out, and this would be 24 issues, or this would be 50 issues, or this would be 60, and they got you know the time for it. You know, Hundred Bullets was famously a hundred issues, which was too many issues. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think you know Azarello's a guy who I think he's probably good in 10 to 12 issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been able to hang on to anything that went much longer than that with yeah, him. Wonder Woman, you Obviously, did. he's got a ton of talent. Yeah, but but again, those are outliers compared to all those other things he did. But even then, by the end of Wonder Woman, I was not as excited as I was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, there's miniseries. There's 60-issue, not minis, but 60-issue limited. Is that limited? Closed-ended? I don't know. You know, where by the end, I was into it 100% as much as I was at the beginning. You know, Invincible, I never got tired of. Right. You know, every issue was compelling, went through the whole thing. You know, the ending was significant. You know, so many of them just, like, peter out and then end eventually. Or, if you're like Fables, you end several times. How many issues did Invincible end up going? Mm, 70s, 80s? No, 100s. Oh, way more than that. Way more than yeah. that. 144. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. That's, that's that, but that's that's exceptional though. That's not. Uh, that's also not ongoing. I mean, like I, I know that if a book ends, it's not ongoing. But that's that, that's not that's not right. Six, no, it's know, true. Not, that it, was and that design, wasn't like designed that way. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's not like Lucifer or Sandman yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah, agree. Contact at fanboy.com. That's you can write in like Jack. Thanks for writing in. You can also write in for a media explode show if you do so. Put media explode in the subject line so we know what show to assign it to. Thanks for writing. Let's plug some things and get out of here. We had we've had a lot of shows this past month in June of extra shows. We had a book explode of Superman for all seasons. We had a special edition review of DC Showcase Constantine: The House of Mystery, the animated shorts collection that came out. We just released behind this show our media explode for the month, in which we reviewed Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, as well as a bunch of other things. We spent a lot of time talking about what we've been enjoying this past month. It was a fun you did. show. <laughs> I did the math, and I was only slightly longer than everybody else. Okay. You're um, efficient. Well, there was a lot of interruptions in mine. And then... Listen, um, we have to let Ron on the show. If we didn't... <laughs> next week... Are we going to have a talk about next week? Or yeah, this coming week? Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Okay. 100%. And so I we have, have another one. I have another one lined up, so... Well, that's good, because then the meter restarts in July. And we'll have extra shows in July. They'll be... Uh, Thor, uh, Love and 
money, whatever. Thunder? Love and thunder, love and thunder for love, love and, for Thor, for love nor money. And other stuff. So I, I can't think about July right now. I can only think about June. So that's the shows we've had in June uh, coming out. Coming, they're all available for you. All right. There are shows over at ifanboy.com as well as the archive of great comic book writing from our talented staff over the years. Much of it is outdated. But mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Reed wrote a lot of things that are completely evergreen. That's true. Those are there. Those are the, all these looks at the past of comics with a, uh, from a guy who the DC loves that stuff. Articles. M- loves that stuff more than anyone I've ever met. Hundred percent, unreservedly, without irony. He is into that business, specifically the DC stuff. If that wet your whistle, search his name R E I D uh, on on ifanboy.com. You can follow Connor and I uh, on. Uh, I know I reversed it individually on cs on instagram at cs kilpatrick and jay flanagan and if you want to know what the pick of the week is before the show comes out uh there's of course ifanboy on twitter and at ifanboy comics on instagram um you can subscribe to our youtube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy uh the minis the time of the minis is is nearly over and then it won't make a lot of sense to subscribe to youtube.com slash ifanboy but perhaps you'd like to bookmark it I, well, I don't we still know. put this show out there every every week, and people oh, do listen, people do listen to it there. So that's true. There you go. the The full length shows are all uploaded. Like I said, this past week we have our our our, our former host, former co host Ron Richards, talking about Phonogram, mm-hmm. uh, which he loves. Uh, then you have my comic book shelves, Josh's comic book shelves. When I finally gave in to the voyeuristic tendencies of the audience. I said, fine, I will show you my dumpy mass of unorganized comics. And if I remember correctly, and I, I, I scrolled through it to see what it was 14 years ago, Josh is difficult to watch. Um, <laughs> for many reasons. Uh, I, 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 the people really responded to that. Yeah, they liked I remember. It. Yeah. They love that stuff. They like to see how other people live their comic book lives. Um, so yeah, that stuff's there. And finally, if you like the show, consider writing us a review or leaving a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show. It helps the algorithm feature the show. The more ratings and reviews, the more the algorithm will be fed and therefore will elevate the show. And that's how people find podcasts. So thank you, all who do that. It doesn't take a moment. even Not even for this show, just for any show you listen to, it's the best way to help a show you enjoy is to rate and review it. And even better than that, it's word of mouth. great algorithm! You will bless us with your picks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, even better than that's word of mouth. Your friends, your comic book store owner, anyone you're talking to, your sci-fi book club, you know, anything you're doing, uh, what are you enjoying? Well, I really like this comic book show. So we thank anybody who does that, uh, helping us spread the word. And that is it for this week's show. And until next week, I am Connor. That makes me Josh. I uh, am your humble co-host. And uh, I appreciate everybody who's listening and, and letting us do this for so long. Humble? No. Ha 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 